I mentioned mentioned earlier that uh, that Advent starts next next Sunday. Today's the last <clears throat> last Sunday prior to Advent, and it's also recognized as what we call Christ the King Sunday, or uh, the Reign of Christ Sunday. It's uh, it's the last Sunday in the Christian calendar um, on the last Sunday prior to the beginning of Advent. Like I said a second ago. Um, and it's basically just a day that we set aside to, uh, to recognize or to be a celebration of the reign of Christ over, over everything, over, over all of creation. Uh, it, a lot of scripture talks about that, and uh, there's a lot of scripture that, that, that really drives that point home. But there's one that really, really sticks out to me in my mind, and, that, and that's what we're going to focus on today. And it comes out of the Gospel of John. As a matter of fact, it's how John begins his book. Uh, John chapter, chapter 1. John really wants to, the reader to know exactly who Jesus is, and, that, and that's, how, that, that's how he kicks his book off. He wants us to know who Jesus is with absolute 100% certainty, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, I want to look at that first of all, and then we're going to come back and we're going to see some uh, things that we can glean about that uh, or through this scripture uh, regarding what are we talking about celebrating the reign of Christ over all creation. And it's just like four verses here, starting in uh, chapter 1, verse 1 reading through verse 1 through 3 and the one that I'm reading is coming out of the New Living Translation if y'all happen to have an NLT if not if you're using an NIV translation or uh, something else or maybe using Pew Bible it's going to be a little bit different uh, than what we have here on the screen but same message same idea I just, I just really preferred this particular translation for, uh, for our purposes today <clears throat> but starting in verse 1 it says John writes in the beginning the word already existed the Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created. Nothing was created except through Him. Then we're going to skip down to verse 14. So the Word became human, and He made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory the glory of the Father's one and only Son. That's the word of God for the people of God. And again, John just really begins his gospel with, with a bang. He wants the reader of this book to know from the get-go, from the very beginning, to know exactly who this guy Jesus is. He wants us to know who this Jesus is that he walked with. He's not writing about somebody, about somebody. John walked with this guy. He knew him personally, and he wants us to know him personally. He wants us to know the Jesus that the early disciples knew. So he starts off explaining this, that Jesus has always been. Now think about what we're celebrating today when we talk about celebrating the reign of Christ over all creation. And when we think about celebrating who exactly Christ is and the glory of who Jesus is. And so he starts it off like this. He says, Jesus, the Word, has always been with us. In the beginning, the Word already existed. Notice that Word, whether it doesn't matter what translation you have, but notice that that Word, Word, is capitalized. That's because it's a proper noun, and that's what we do with proper nouns. In this instance, this proper noun is referring to Jesus Christ. That's why it's capitalized. I know it's a strange and kind of a confusing translation for us, kind of a weird word uh, for us to understand in 2022. What does it mean that Jesus was the Word? What does that mean? 
I really, 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 really want to tackle that question um, a little bit later in a few minutes. But first, I want you guys to notice a few more things um, before in these verses before we do that. In the beginning, the Word, Jesus, already existed. Folks, Jesus has always been. In the beginning, the Word already existed. Jesus Christ has always been. I think a lot of folks have a have a misunderstanding about the existence and the eternity of Jesus. Jesus was not created by God. I think a lot of people believe that or think that for whatever reason. Maybe they just haven't been taught rightly. Jesus was not created. Even though we celebrate the birth of Jesus on Christmas, that day does not denote or does not mark the actual birth of Jesus Christ. It marks his birth in human form. But Jesus Christ has, all, has always, always existed. And I know this is a difficult concept for us, to, for, for us to grasp our heads around sometime. But just like the Holy Spirit, who we refer to as the third person of the Trinity, Jesus being the second person of the Trinity, God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus has always been with us from the get-go. People have tried for 2,000 years to tr explain <laughs> in common terms this idea of the Trinity without any success, but it's a, it's a fundamental Christian doctrine. One God, it's, it's, it's crazy that you talked about this earlier, Kevin, but one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are all unique expressions of God, who have existed together forever. Forever. Verse 3 goes on to show us this. It goes on to show us Jesus' role in creation. If y'all think I'm making this up, read scripture here. Verse 3 shows us without any shadow of a doubt Jesus' own role in the creation of all. Notice that it doesn't say that Jesus had some kind of supporting role in this either. It doesn't say that he was giving God a little bit of advice here and there. No, it says that God created everything through him and that nothing was created without him. Everything. John drives that point home saying nothing was created without Jesus. Then in verse 14 when we skip down, we're informed that this second person of the Trinity, God himself, became human. A lot of your translations probably say that the word became flesh or the word was made flesh and dwelt here among us. That's, that's something we could wrap, wrap our heads around for the rest of our time together today. And it's always something I ask us to think about whenever the subject of what we call the incarnation comes up. Jesus' birth. The actual idea that God, the third person of the Trinity, actually came here, made himself into human form, and lived with us. talk to us and converse with us and taught us. John goes on to say that Jesus was full of what our translation here says, that he was full of unfailing love and unfailing faithfulness. The New International Version, the NIV, says that he came full of grace and that he came full of truth. If you guys remember, we talked about that idea before, the idea that Jesus was the perfect expression, not, not, even, not even the balance of grace and truth, but of 
but a, the fullness of the expression of what grace and truth was. He, tra- he taught us what the truth of God was, and he taught us how to live lives that also embraced grace and mercy and love and how these two things come together in Jesus so perfectly. And I'm not going to spend any time on that because we've talked about it before, but that's amazing to us. It, 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 it's, it's an amazing concept because most of us generally want to lean to one side or the other in that idea. We want to be all about law or we want to be all about love. Scripture says that Christ was all of these and more. He was the perfect expression of that. And then he reminds us, John reminds us, that he is a first-hand witness of all of this. He reminds us that he was there. He's not receiving information from somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who told another person. John was there. He saw it. He experienced it. He lived it. He's not writing a story about somebody that he didn't really know that well. He's given a first-hand account of Jesus Christ, God on earth from the perspective of somebody who knew him up close and personally. Now we put all of those ideas together, we put all those statements together, and we kind of get this idea of what it means that we're celebrating Christ the King Sunday. It's about the reign of Christ. It's about the lordship of Jesus over all of creation. It's about the lordship of Jesus over me over you, over the land, over the water, over the earth, over everything that existed. Jesus is Lord over all of that. It's about God's perfect example of what genuine love and genuine humility look like when they sent Christ to take on human form to teach us, to show us who God is, how God thinks. Remember how we talked about that we were talking about a good and beautiful God that Jesus was the perfect, again, the perfect expression of who God is, how God thinks, how God relates to us. Christ showed us that. He showed us how to treat others. And then he offered himself. The one who has existed from the beginning offered himself as a sacrificial offering on the cross so that we could be made righteous, so that we could be made right in our relationship with God. That's the glory of Christ, folks. And John got a front row seat to see all that. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and He dwelt among us. That's stuff to celebrate, folks. That's stuff to worship about, Kevin. So let's talk about that word, word. <laughs> I've seen a lot of different Bible translations um, have used different words to try to convey, convey the meaning of what that means, what word means here in these scriptures. A couple examples that I've come across while, while I've been trying to figure this thing out were uh, they, they would replace the word word with the word voice or the word idea. Um, those are actually pretty decent translations, but they're still really confusing. Most, uh, most, most translations simply stick to the uh, translation of using the word word. So uh, if you read that in some of the stuff that I was talking about, it would say, so the voice became human, or so the idea became human and made, it, and made its willing among us, um, those sorts of things. And again, those are decent translations, but, but because of all the confusion, I think the majority of translations just stick to using that. Um, so we need to talk about that word. 
What does that mean? What is, what, let's just simply talk about that word, word. What does that mean? A pretty good dictionary definition, a pretty concise dictionary definition that I came across was, was this one. A word is a vehicle for the conveyance of an idea. A word is a vehicle for the conveyance of an idea. In other words, for example, if I've got something in my mind that I want you to receive and I want you to get into your mind, I use a word or I use words to do so, right? I'm conveying a thought or I'm conveying, conveying thoughts or I'm conveying an idea or, or an idea from my mind to yours. So a word is the, a word or words are the way that we convey ideas to one another. It's the same basic principle here when we talk about Jesus being the word of God. Through Christ, through Jesus, God is transmitting his will to us. Is that making a little bit more sense at this point? Yeah, no? Maybe? So through the word, God is conveying. He's transmitting this idea to us. He's, he's transmitting his will to us. He's giving us his ideas. He's giving us his voice. Remember the translation I mentioned a second ago? Voice, idea. That's what he's doing here. Through Christ, he's showing us what it looks like to be followers of God. He's teaching us truth. He's teaching us grace. All of those things that we read in the Gospels about Jesus' commandments, Jesus' sermons, Jesus' admonitions are what? They are testimony to Jesus being the Word, the Word of God. I hope I conveyed that decently. Y'all tell me if I did because I really, really want you guys to get this. This is, really, this is really important stuff. So yeah, through Christ, God is conveying all of this. He's transmitting all of this information to us. Okay, It's God's voice. It's God's idea. And then what happens? That idea, that voice of God is brought into human form. That voice is made flesh, and we refer to Jesus as the Word of God. I want to talk about to you something else, something else. Follow me very, very, very closely on what I'm about to say because I don't want you guys misunderstanding what I'm about, you, what I'm about to talk to you all about, and I certainly don't want you all going out of here saying that Jerry Hudson said something that Jerry Hudson didn't say, all right? I want you all to pick up on this. Notice that John says the Word became flesh or the Word became human. He doesn't say that the Word became a book, but that the Word, the idea, the voice of God became Jesus. He became human. I know a lot of times we refer to the Bible as the Word of God, right? Most, most Sundays, I did it today. Most Sundays when I get up here and I read the Scripture, I'll finish up by saying that's the Word of God for the people of God. And you guys respond. You say, thanks be to God. If you'll notice, however, when I'm preaching or maybe when we're doing Bible study or just having general conversations, a lot of times... Most of the time, when I refer to the Bible in that manner, I will refer to it as the written Word of God and not solely as the Word of God. It sounds like you're splitting hairs there, Pastor. Well, I kind of am, but there's a big reason that this is important. There's, a big re there's good reasons that, that I do this that, that, and, that, and that I separate those two. What's the difference, why, and why does it matter? Well, it matters for this reason. It matters because people can pretty much take the Bible and make it say anything that they want to say. And then, 
They turn around and they call it the Word of God. What you mean by that? It means it's important and it matters because the Bible, in the hands of people who do not first put Jesus as the Word of God, have used Holy Scripture to justify some of the worst treatments of people and some of the worst atrocities in human history. What did we talk about two weeks prior to the election? We talked about the German church's involvement with Hitler and the Third Reich. Y'all remember that? You think that they weren't using Scripture and twisting Scripture for their own means to be able to do that and to commit those types of atrocities? Certainly they were. They were picking and choosing and taking stuff out of context, and they called it the Word of God. I know that's an extreme example. I'll give you a modern example. Look what's going on over in Russia and the Ukraine right now. Look how the Russian government is in bed with the Russian Orthodox Church, which is the primary church in that country. I assure you, that church is using Scripture to justify the things that are going on over there. Happens all the time. Happened throughout history. How does that happen? How do, how, do, how do we get to that point? Well, here's how it works. We start where, the, first of all, we approach Scripture with our own biases. We approach Scripture with our own biases. We approach Scripture with our own prejudices, our own beliefs, and then we find a few Bible verses to back them up. We approach the Bible, whether we're doing it consciously or unconsciously, with our fixed ideas and our fixed beliefs, and we read those things into the Bible. Okay? Sometimes we do it on purpose. Sometimes it's totally unconscious. But we'll approach Scripture with all of our preconceived ideas and beliefs, and we'll start reading those things into the Bible instead of allowing the Bible to do its job and the Holy Spirit to do His job to read the Bible into us. Y'all follow me on that? This is so important, folks. This is so important because we have messed up <laughs> royally when this, when this has occurred. What happens when you do this? Again, I've given you a couple of examples. I'll give you an, another example. Look how just 150 years ago, how many verses in the Bible talk about the issue of slavery? How many, how many scriptures in the Bible did, were people using back then to justify the ownership of human beings. Now, 2022, there ain't a person in the church in America who would believe that. Not too long ago they did because they approached the Bible with their own preconceived ideas and they read themselves into Scripture instead of doing what they should have done and allowed Scripture to read itself into them. And then they call it the Word of God. Boom. End the conversation, right? Okay. Now I think we're all on the same page here. <clears throat> y'all have heard the expression, I'm sure. <laughs> this one gets me all the time, too. I'm sure y'all have heard the expression, the Bible said it, I believe it, that settles it, right? Yeah, we've all heard that one. Well, that's, I mean, that's all well and good, but what most people believe when they say that is they believe what they think the Bible says, not actually what it says or the true message that it's trying to convey. I have a problem with that sentiment. I cringe every time I hear somebody say that. Again, most of the time when you hear somebody say it, they're saying, I believe what the Bible, I think the Bible slaves. <laughs> Boom, word of God, right? 
There's ways to push back against that, a, sim a simple way. And, and it's dangerous territory for us too, y'all. I'm, I'm sure I'm guilty of this at some, at some point or another. I want to be, uh, but I do recognize it, and, 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 I, and I try very hard to allow the Bible to speak to me and get, get my, my stuff out of the way before I approach it. But a way to push back against that is first to go back to what we've been talking about this morning, remembering first and foremost that Jesus is the word that's our starting point that's how we push back against other people who wrongly do this and that's how we protect ourselves from misinterpreting scripture we start with the word when approaching the written word okay everything regarding the Christian faith y'all everything regarding the Christian faith revolves around a person that person is Jesus Christ so is the Bible the word of God yes the Bible is the word of God it's God's ideas and God's messages that are have been conveyed to us that are being conveyed to us through Holy Scripture that was wrote, written over many many centuries just like today's scripture from John the Bible reveals Jesus to us this is so cool the Bible reveals Jesus to us. Here's this. I mean, this is an this is a, a a very transparent, very very obvious example of how the Bible reveals Christ to us. But throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, that whole thing, man, all sixty six books of those are revealing Jesus Christ to us, the Word of God, and it all points to Christ, all of it. Every bit of it points to a person. That's who we call Jesus. And then what happens? Jesus, the word, points us back to how we interpret Scripture, the written word of God. So the Bible points us to Jesus, and Jesus points us back to the Bible. We on the same page here? This is cool stuff to me. I hope it's as cool as it is to y'all as it is. Bible reveals Christ to us who then points us back to how to interpret and how to read the Bible in other words the word Jesus is our center he's our starting point for interpreting the written word and I'm sure at some point or another I've, I've said this or some similar expression to you guys but uh, if what we believe about scripture is revealing to us anything that looks different from the life and the teachings of Jesus, we probably need to rethink our interpretation. It's very, very easy to twist Scripture. Very, very easy. I, I like Maybe I should get up here one day and, and just preach some absolute nonsense to you guys and use Scripture while I'm doing it, see if you buy into it. But it's easy. It's easy to twist Scripture. It's easy to take a few verses out of context and use them to justify our own preconceived ideas. People have done it since it was written, like we talked about just a few minutes ago with those extreme examples. It's a whole different ballgame, though, church, when Jesus, the Word of God, God in human form, who actually shows us His perfect will, is the measure by which we gauge our scriptural interpretation. We can point to all the violence that we see for example, this is just a, an obvious example as well. 
we can point to all the incidents of violence that we see in the Old Testament to justify our own individual violence or our own communal violence, right? People have done it forever since Scripture came across the board. Okay? What does Jesus say about violence? <laughs> okay? There's a simple example for you. Okay, well, if I believe that, well, violence, doggone it, violence is in the Old Testament, that means I can do what I want, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth kind of thing. Right? Wrong. Jesus says no. Jesus actually talks about that particular scripture. So I think that I can justify that violence because of what I'm reading in the Old Testament, but it doesn't mesh with the teachings of Christ. I probably need to rethink what I'm thinking. I probably need to rethink the way that I'm interpreting that scripture. And again, that's just one of one one very simple, one very obvious example that I can give you. Jesus and the Bible don't contradict each other, by the way. Okay, they don't they don't contradict each other. Jesus and the Bible perfectly complement one another if we're doing it correctly and if we're looking at it correctly. They they perfectly complement one another. It's people who get it wrong. And it's people who mess this thing up. In fact, Jesus, if y'all remember correctly, and we may have talked about talked about this one Sunday, there's there there's there are stories in the Gospels where Jesus, where we can read about Jesus correcting people about their bad scriptural interpretation. Y'all remember all those stories? You have heard it said. Da, 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 da. You've, you've heard it said an eye for an eye. That's one of them. Jesus corrects people even then about their bad interpretation of what God's will is. Yeah, God's will is revealed perfectly in Holy Scripture. It's revealed perfectly in the person of Christ. But we've got to read that Scripture through the lens of Christ and not through the lens of human beings who are sinful and who fall short. When we learn to do that, we're doing it right. So there's your Bible lesson for today. Remember that. If you don't get anything out of what I said this morning, Remember that little, that little saying right there. The word is the measure by which we interpret the written word. There's your starting point for biblical, interpre biblical interpretation 101. If it doesn't mesh with Jesus, it's probably wrong. And I need to rethink it, and I probably need to do some research. There's reason to celebrate this morning, y'all. How, how did I get all that from Christ the King Sunday? I don't know, because I want to talk about that word, word. I guess. I just, I just think it's a, such an important thing that we understand. Christianity, you know, is called Christianity for a reason. It's because we follow a person, a person who was God in human form, and his name was Jesus Christ. We recognize his lordship on heaven. We recognize his lordship on earth. We recognize his lordship over all, all of creation. We recognize his lordship over one another, and we recognize his lordship over how we allow Scripture to shape and to form us, not into our image, like we have a habit of doing, but into His image. In Christ, in Jesus, in the Word, we recognize the one who was with God and who was God from the very, very beginning. We recognize Christ as the catalyst who revealed God's perfect nature perfect will and we recognize Christ as the author of our salvation the perfecter of our faith the one who gave the greatest sacrifice for humanity and
and also earn the greatest victory. That's the reason to celebrate Christ the King Sunday. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for so much. God, we thank you for the community that we have with one another, with our brothers and sisters. And, and we thank you for our personal salvation and, and uh, the salvation that we continue to experience as we grow closer to, closer to you and more like you. Uh, help us, God, when we approach the Bible, Lord, to, uh, to look at it correctly, to look at it through your lens. Help us, God, to put aside all of our own preconceived notions, our own preconceived ideas, our own preconceived beliefs. And help us, God, not to read ourselves into these verses, into these scriptures, but help us to allow those scriptures to read themselves into us. Help us, God, to be transformed by Holy Scripture, the way that you were meant for its use. God, I pray for every person in this congregation this morning, God. I thank you so much for them. I thank you, God, for the love they have for you, for the love that they have for their church. God, I just ask that you continue to utilize this, God, as, as a beacon of light uh, for the Bemis community and surrounding area. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.